to the planets are my gods. We are your hosts, Mariah Karina and Arkai Moon. And today we will be dissecting with hot genius fire the archetype of Sagittarius. God bless the Sagittarius. Holy Hot moly. genius fire. The blazing fire. Charismatic missionaries. <laughs> Devotees of truth. Those preachers on the mount, all full of their own hot air, those wild gypsies gallivanting around, pleasing their own hedonistic fancies. I think the territory of Sagittarius actually encompasses a lot. And because of that, it can be kind of hard to pin down. I'm sure all those Sagittarius signatures out there hate to be pinned down. And And they also fucking love to be the ones pinning down. (laughs) (laughs) And so there can be something about Sagittarius where it plays tricks, which also makes sense because it's... It's coming from Gemini. Yeah. And I love how you brought it in through the, like, you know, rapturous offering of the devotees going straight to God to find that holy grail and come down off that mountaintop and preach it to also the hedonistic gypsy travelers gallivanting around charismatically gathering all the medicines and the lessons and like integrating into their own fancy (laughs) (laughs) attending raves and festivals worldwide is part of the Sagittarius archetype just like burning a witch is part of the Sagittarius archetype and you're so right that it is coming from Gemini and it retains some of that dualism where it likes to play both sides. And so it can be difficult to know, is Sagittarius really fucking deep or is it really playful and superficial? Mm -hmm. Not that play is always superficial, but right. And this is actually the axis that brings that mastery fully home to us. I think, Ooh, what do you mean? Oh, just how there's so much liberation in the comedy in playing all of those sides. It's like, And I think Sagittarius plays on that ability to really get fixed and pinpoint and get to the fucking truth, you know, of something. It's like, whereas Scorpio, we're like in the depths of all these subconscious processes and really excavating. And then I feel like Sagittarius comes from that journey of the deep oceanic depths of our subconscious and like brings it to the top of the mountain of like bringing it to full awareness and excavating in that. It's like that Gemini energy of gathering all along that hero's journey from the depths of the ocean to the tops of the mountain. And it's in the symbol of the sign. The sign, the symbol for Sagittarius is the half horse, half person, mm-hmm. which is the connection to the nature, to the pan archetype, to the right. hedonism, to the, to the natural law, to the senses. And then also that fiery arrow pointed towards the sky on the purpose, on the mission, in the mind in the belief systems, in that single-pointed ferocity that could lead to really doing an immense amount of harm. Mm. And also being in, like you're saying, a glorious quest for truth. When you were speaking about the symbolism of the half, half human, half horse, and that fiery, blazing arrow of purpose and truth, um, the that oftentimes also represents the human merging with the soul. And I think so many times we think that the human merging with the soul is like kind of 
you know, leaving the body, going to the stars, you know, transcending our flesh and this earthly domain. And I feel like that Sagittarius true natural law is, is this flip of that to where it's actually like the human is coming back to be reunited with the soul and is the animalistic earth part of us represents that soul union that marriage and i think so much of the sagittarian archetype contains so much of that that human quest for god and that has brought us into you know this colonizing experience with christianity and yet there's also it represents like we were saying that that natural law that pan that hedonistic that that earth-based religion Mm. that the cycles of this earth and then how we are also to bow down to that God, you know, to that natural law. And I feel like that's such a beautiful remnants of, of the pagan and the earth-based religion, sexuality, and like the humans marrying and being in deep union with the earth. I feel like that's so found inside of Sagittarius, even though I think it's been like, you know, so. And actually the whole karma by is in it. Those earth-based religions are in it just as much as then the colonizing religions and the Abrahamic religions and mm-hmm. the dissociative religions. It's like the whole, All of it. the whole, if we're talking human terms, it's like the right. whole human religious sacred quest is in there, which also means this horrendous colonial history, which also means this confusion that we've had about whether we worship heaven or earth and how we've turned that into a duality. And that has then produced the 10,000 wars. And I love what you're saying because it's like, you're right. The Sagittarius archetype encompasses our tendency to always create belief systems and religious ideologies, religious systems, religious ceremonies, you know, dogmas around our relationship to God, spirit. Mm -hmm. And in that is the earth and, and everything else. (laughs) Yeah. And for, even if you're looking at someone who has strong Sagittarius, where they're not like a spiritually oriented soul, there's going to be that same tendency, like the structure of the same patterns are going to be in whatever it is that they're zealots about. Right. It's going to be in science, in their like particular niche art right. movement that they're excited about, in their group of friends. These patterns can show up anywhere, and these histories are fractal. Mm-hmm. They're in all of our interactions, all of our relationships. And it's interesting because when before this, when mm. I was thinking, what is really kind of at the crux of the Sagittarius dynamic, this is precisely what came to me, was first I wrote down meaning, and then I crossed that out and wrote truth. And I think encompassed within that is everything that we're describing. Because to me, Sagittarius is the air of fire. You know, like maybe... And that's where it's like going into that mutable, like where fire is starting to transform. Yes. And right. it becomes spiral and it's mutable. It's movable. It's mm. changing. It's exploring. It's gathering. And Jupiter itself, which rules Sagittarius, is this hot, gaseous planet. It is like 
actually in a process of fire eating air. And that to me can be the shadow side or the immature side of the imbalanced side of Sagittarius is when it gets too much air in it is that it can like puff up and feed the wind with ideas, feed it with belief systems. It's where it starts getting into what does this mean? What is right. the meaning? Well, the ideological and the of those inflated like balloons. I think there's even that that saying about exactly. like zealots or you know like a hot air balloon. full of hot air, full of hot air, and like even in the ideological discussion. <coughs> of what's right or wrong. I think a lot of Sagittarius people can become these big ethicists where they're in these moral debates. Oh, absolutely. Living in their mind, Morality trying to determine... the major sword that they wield. And abstraction leads to abstraction, leads to more beliefs, leads to more mind, which feeds the fire. And I think it was that fire that inspired another air word, those missionaries to be on fire with the Holy Spirit, more fire, more air to spread that fire, to take over the entire globe and to make us turn towards the air gods, the sky gods, the air gods. Right. And that's where Sagittarius can get so misled and so abstracted too much in the human part of itself, too much in that hot fire arrow of itself and forgetting about its earthly self. And so that's when I crossed out meaning and wrote truth, Mm -hmm. which is getting back to not what this means, but the truth, but to the, not the air of fire, but the fire, which is what is my direct experience? What is natural to me? Mm -hmm. What feels right and good and true? just in my own personal direct experience, before I make an idea about it, before I make an ideology about it, before I try to convince others, before I make the next action based on my idea of what's happening and who I am and what kind of hero's journey I'm on, just that actual pure nakedness. And the true devotion to the process, because it's like that hero's journey is like the process of that deep longing of connection to spirit, connection to something higher, that connection to what will bring itself into another iteration, you know, of truth that you speak to. And it's like to allow that journey to keep shredding and humbling and disillusioning, because I think disillusionment is such a huge and like utterly excruciating experience of the Sagittarian journey but also the transition point between meaning and truth is disillusionment yes it's where all those ideas and stories that you've created fall away like can no longer hold up the false reality that you've created the false map that you've created about what reality is can no longer hold up to your direct experience of it hmm I almost see it as such a similar experience of how the the Scorpio is like that deep desire to merge and to become that third thing in that merging process. And then inside of that is also the ripping apart of that which we desired outside of ourselves and then also had the experience of merging with. And then we then have to resource that Mm. inside of ourselves. I feel like Sagittarius has such a similar journey but in the sense of that longing for truth and an altered state of consciousness 
to bring us into that altered state. And then in that, we have to solidify these beliefs and these understandings of what reality is and who we are and what is our purpose inside of all that. And then it, it has to be shredded and disillusioned in order to be able to make way for that next iteration. Because at a certain point, it's not true. It was true. We tried mm-hmm. to understand it with our minds. We made a lot of stories to contextualize it. Then we lived in those stories. And those stories themselves are not actual direct truth. And so it, they need to be taken away. It also reminds me very much of the part of our reality when, and we speak a lot of, about words when we were speaking about Gemini, you know, and language and how, how much it can flesh out and, and just create so much rich vastness to our experience and to connection and to our understanding and yet also how much it can freeze things, solidify things and kill things. And I think of, um, of the difference of like mythologies and and parables and like the scripture, the Bible Mm -hmm. and how, when, when it's living and breathing and it's meant to, to be in a relationship with our life Mm -hmm. and constantly be evolving and growing, then it's never stagnant. It's never dead. Mm-hmm. But when we want to solidify it, make it absolute truths and, you know, freeze it in a sense, that's where I think we get into the shadow of Sagittarius and, and then it needs to die. <laughs> we need to get disillusioned in order to let the thing breathe again. Let us breathe again. You know, whenever, I love what you're saying just because about that desire to pin something down. Whenever I see someone with a south node in Sag or a lot of Sagittarius signatures, I tend to think of it that it's someone who has been able to amass a certain amount of status by being someone who says that they know the truth or Mm. by being someone who has something desirable in the realm of knowledge information, a teaching, you know, a teacher, a preacher, a shaman, someone like that. And it's like in those positions, you might start trying to become an authority in a certain area because you had a direct experience of something. But then at a certain point, you become very, very attached to the status that the role gives you. And to that hot air. It's such a dopamine-filled sign for me, hmm. like such a, a key quality of dopamine is to bring us into another state, is to give us the a desire to, to move outside of the state that we're in and to move into another state of being. It's like, that's why they call it the, the molecule of more. And it's also something that gives us this, this love, this transcendental, this hot experience of God, you know, this, um, yeah, this, this larger than life Mm -hmm. kind of feeling. And it feeds us with that in order to bring us into another state so that we can be larger than life so that we can be further than we thought was previously possible, you know? And there's something that's so, just like Sagittarius is dopamine. <laughs> it, it just rules that part of the human experience to be evolving and to contextualize itself and the whole. 
Um, this is wild because actually the other thing that I wrote in addition to this axis of meaning versus truth was that it's a sign about seeking. Yeah. It's a sign about, it is the seeker. And like me and you might be talking in terms of like spiritual seeking, but it's all kinds of seeking. Right. It, that's why it rules travel and higher education and polyamory is because there's something almost insatiable in Sagittarius. Right. There's this hunger for experience. There's this desire for more mm. that is leading it around seeking. And I think that's the question thinking about Sagittarius is the same question that I have about seeking itself because it's like, Ooh, are we having fun? Is this a bunch of like yummy, rich experiences that we're getting to explore here? Or is this like a violent hell realm of hungry ghosts? <laughs> mm, right. Or is these like addicts, like little addicts just seeking to find the next experience to, to escape from its present and playing power games in mm -hmm. order to be able to dominate and try and get desires fulfilled. Right. And that's also why I think that so much of the, you know, journey of the ego and the soul, the, that crucible is, is found also in the Sagittarian journey. And I do think that there's in some way, every sign has that evolutionary arc, mm -hmm. right? That every sign is, is, is creating this, this arc of physicality and spirit and ego and soul, um, alchemy together. But I do think that Sagittarius is like really representing that in a big way of that. Are we desiring more for just our own egoic, you know, trying to incarnate to have all these experiences and gain what we want in some ways that's really true right mm -hmm. we or are to be like ascetic spiritual magician wizards exactly which and is also think, seeking right and there's this offering inside of Sagittarius this desire to to seek and then completely give oneself away to the cause like I often feel like it's very missionary or martyrdom based because of that strong desire to give oneself away to whatever truth they found. And that's what also makes it so contagious, you know, and like the seduction archetypes, I think Sagittarius is the, is the charismatic, you know, oh, it's that what's the charismatic, the charismatic is, wait, first of all, what's a seduction archetype? And then what's a charismatic? Thank you for keeping me grounded, <laughs> fleshing out the language for people. But, um, okay. So Robert Green has an amazing, um, book on seduction and power, and he goes through, I believe nine seduction archetypes. And, uh, one of those being the charismatic and the charismatic is where you, you feel it's, it's just like this really on fire zealot. And it doesn't have to be, it's of course, evangelical Christian in, in, in the way that, you know, missionary and martyr and all of these, these terminologies, the pastor, all of even these charismatic things, is, is even charismatic thing is, for like, we are, yeah, they call themselves the charismatic church. Um, when there's the evangelical principle of it, which is, um, for those that don't know, the evangelicals, um, are spirit filled. They, um, speak in tongues. They claim to have a direct relationship, um, to, to God and the Holy Spirit and, and allow that to pour through them. They do prophecies and hands on, healing. hands on healing extractions, all sorts of things that a lot of other, um, 
that we've been doing in many different traditions for <laughs> for all of time. But um, but with a lot of sects of Christianity, don't. And it's precisely those things yes. that define whether a church is charismatic. Yes. Is how much people are speaking in tongues and doing the hands-on healing and having those more ecstatic states. Right. And and when you, you know picture those big mega churches and the pastor he's sweating and he's jumping up and down and he's really getting everyone so hyped up and and riled up it's like very um that is very a good example of the charismatic um but I also think of the charismatic as I I feel like the seduction archetype yeah okay Mm -hmm. and so I also think of the charismatic just being um somebody that is on a mission so strong they believe it's so hardcore that they do seem like something else is filling them and they do feel larger than life because they don't think that they are limited to their human or individual you know conditions that they're like I am working for something and with something so much bigger than I am and so in that there is a sense that it can feed the ego very strong and it also is a part of the ego is surrendering and offering itself to whatever beings they are allowing them to move through. And so there, there is a grandiose um, and powerful amount of energy. And, and for somebody to be so deeply connected to anything unseen, spiritual, and, and, and to merge that with a purpose is so highly seductive and intoxicating for so much of the world that doesn't have their own connection to spirit, that doesn't know where we came from. That, that doesn't know what they want. They, doesn't, they don't know that what feels, they want. That doesn't feel passionate about anything. Exactly. That's even what they say just in basic-ass, like, polarity YouTube, my major vice, right? It's like, or what's his name? David Data. They're always like, oh, men need a purpose. Like the number one thing you can do to activate your masculine energy is to be on your purpose and to have that tether, that connection to the greater thing that you serve matter more to you than potential rejection by the person in front of you because it grounds you to something, Mm -hmm. something bigger than you. So not only is it that one seduction archetype of the charismatic, but it's like one of the core seduction teachings that exist right now right of that masculine and then that young nature that desire to to go deeper to mm-hmm. penetrate to yeah. to go further and i think that's very dopamine dopamine based as well right oh i love it it's true the penetrating the going further yeah um i actually come from an evangelical church um that's the yeah, that's what you were born and raised in. That is in. what I was born and raised in. And um, and my, you know, stepdad um, is a missionary pastor. And he, he always says, he's like, you know, you are a missionary through and through. And he has that Sagittarian quality too. And I have um, some Sagittarius, like Saturn and Sag and Uranus and Sag in me. And it's like that opposition though. And it's and I feel that so strong with my stepdad because it's like we we really bonded in being able to be passionate so much and he's like you're gonna be a missionary about whatever you are and he's like you're a missionary for the planets you're a missionary for the plants and it's it's just so true it's just so true, true. <laughs> it's it's true. Just so true. can you tell them about your t-shirt about my what your t-shirt oh okay yeah so. <laughs> Hardcore little mission missionary kid. Um, I had a T-shirt when I was little that um, was 
I believe it's Esther. I was obsessed with Joan of Arc and Esther when I was younger. Esther and from the Bible. Esther from the Bible. And she's the woman that she she had to tell the king something. And, and back then, of course, if women were to, to speak, what she was about to stand up to, she was probably going to get executed in, in front of everyone. And she's like, if I die, if I must die, I will die, you know. And, yeah, essentially I just wore that shirt and... And Joan of Arc is another, you know, hero. And I was just very hardcore devoted to, um, like I said, whatever I'm devoted to. And there is that um, assassin martyrdom intensity to, I think, this this part of me. And and then I do think that's so represented in that Sagittarian archetype of just like, I will die for this. You always say, I will die on that mountaintop. This is the mountain I will die on, which is like another way of just like, I will die on that soapbox. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Is that what yeah, you mean by it? Yeah. I, love, I love it when you say You're that. like, I am a missionary for this. And you know, it's wild. I was also born with um, Saturn conjunct Uranus and Sagittarius. And instead of being in a religious church, I grew up in a political cult, I would say. And I think cults are also, or an organization with many cultic aspects. And cults, I think, are also very Sagittarian. And so instead of people being on fire with the Holy Spirit, people were on fire with these political causes that they were part of, that they were also willing to die for. And that they also would be filled with this um, sense that they were working for something that was so much bigger than just them. Right. And even in process work, we talk about different kinds of power that people can have. And one of the powers that we talk about, we talk about it in terms of rank as a way of marking that power is always relational. It's not happening in a vacuum. It's happening relative to the different beings around. So there's a level of spiritual rank that you can have because you feel like you're you know, spiritually aligned or you have a sense of faith. And I mean, Joan of Arc obviously had this huge spiritual rank, right? That she was hearing voices. She had that direct connection that she had faith that if she died, you know, she would be taken care of, right? That she was being held in the arms of these forces that were so much bigger than just an individual life or death. But they also talk about moral rank, Because that same feeling can come when you feel like you're on the right side of history of a political issue or of a moral issue. And I think that's what my parents and the organization that I was a part of really had, is they believed that they were doing this for the generations. And, you know, the same way you might get goosebumps (coughs) and you feel your blood boiling if you listen to a really powerful political speech or a slam poem or a protest song or something like that. It's that power mm-hmm. that can move the masses that can move people that can make us capable of great things but i think that power is really volatile right and if it's not connected it can be right. channeled and directed i think that's what i said about like it can cause great destruction absolutely because when you're filled with that force that um you're willing you know the martyr is willing to to kill itself and others and it's righteous it's sure of itself and so it doesn't have to listen to feedback it doesn't have to take it is blocked from being accountable or touched by the impact that it's having on others 
because it believes that the ends justify the means or even that the means themselves are justified. Absolutely. And that's why I think that the, the true Sagittarius journey has to have that sacred disillusionment over and over again. And I think once I was really shredded so excruciatingly, so thoroughly with leaving the church, um, I've known that since then, every everything that I love, everything that I believe is is subject to that level of disillusionment. And um, I even as I was like devoting myself to astrology, you know, pretty much right after I left the church, I was just waiting for the other shoe to drop kind of feeling like just waiting for it to be dismantled from, from me. And just the, the, the pain that I felt in losing my God and losing the, that righteousness, that feeling of being right, that feeling of knowing. And I really left realizing that I didn't know anything. And it's funny when I tell this story, cause I'm like 20 years old, and of course I didn't know anything, but, but I, but, but to be raised like that, you really think Mm -hmm. that you do. And, and the pain of, of not knowing that and what that means is almost unbearable for most Christians to ever even face. And, and I think that's a part of the Sagittarius journey is like, if you're able to stand in that fire and allow yourself to be purified in that way, because it really is a place where you can actually go insane. It is. Cause and it's psychosis such a psychic happens. break. Cause it's, you think reality is one thing and you're held in the web of those beliefs about what reality is. You have a place there, right? You're nested in a context. And then to have that completely shattered it and taken away it's like you're free falling and the only thing that you know is like there was a betrayal it's so of what you thought you believed such a betrayal and it's so heartbreaking and I think that the thing that has really been the medicine for my Sagittarius experience but also my it was it felt like such a deep wound um was to maintain like real connection and a relationship with these beings that are, you know, that I'm like feeling like I'm on a mission with and to be willing to be surprised and shredded with them over and over. And I think that, um, not relying as much like my relationship with the plants and the planets, actually. There's there's a lot of amazing teachers and a lot about the planets and the archetypes that I've definitely learned from humans. But there's so much more that I've learned from just having my personal relationship with these planets, archetypes, and these plants. And they make sure that I am shredded. And in such loving ways but in such very thorough ways. And anyways, there's there's something about that reliance on so much of the human dogmas that I think that's where the gurus and the pastors and the major religions get really a lot of power that goes unchecked. And then I think that Sagittarius has a really hard fall mm-hmm. from that space, you know? Yeah. 
you know, it's wild. I'm just having so much appreciation for the signature that we share of that Saturn conjunct Uranus because it's on the one hand, there are all those structures there with Saturn, but then there's the trauma. There's a lightning bolt, the tower moment that's come in with Uranus, Mm -hmm. but then there's the opportunity for that to feed back into Saturn and gives us our authority, actually, and our authorship. You know, I was so in like the political, socio, um, scientific, materials level of reality my whole life. And when I got to college, I think I talked about, I had this really dramatic spiritual awakening when I was writing my thesis. And my thesis was precisely, I've been my whole life turned towards all these horrible things that are happening politically in the world, right? AIDS, apartheid, colonialism, rape, genocide environmental destruction and that's filled my sense of what reality is but at the same time I see all of these good things that are happening or all of these like I don't know other things that are happening that aren't quite in that same tightly encased worldview and is there a way that all these like good things that people are doing or like other states or other beings non-humans is there any way that those can weave together to create an alternative vision of a comprehensive global system that would actually be like starting from present circumstances and leading towards something more you know just creative and beautiful in terms of living with the world right and I threw my heart and my soul into it and I started having these visions like it was it was this um sense that it was something particularly not me and at this point I was 23 I had done a bunch of psychedelics I had had mystical experiences but they'd all felt oh it's the creative capacity of my own mind or oh it's the actual potential of consciousness Whereas this felt like something that was distinctively not me, cracked my rigid mind that I was using as my main way of navigating reality open to this Mm -hmm. tremendous sense of interconnectedness between all beings and just with this huge infusion of love and non-duality. And... It showed me, it actually did. Like, I was like, I think so much of what I was trying to heal in that experience was the fact that I had been programmed from a young age to be a missionary. Mm I had been indoctrinated into the cult of Save the World. And I'd been shown just how horrible the world was, which confirmed just how much it needed to be saved. Absolutely. Which confirmed that my role was to do that from the moment I wake up, from the moment I went to sleep as much as I possibly could until the day I died. And I had been living that, you know, when I was in... In every interaction. Like, Mariah and I are literally, from opposite ends of the spectrum, completely groomed to be missionaries and healers in this, like, warlike state, I think. Yeah. Because it's... And it's it's such dire... You know, to give us these like swords and these prayer bundles, it felt like just to be like, this is like up to you. And like every single interaction, we then like filter it through that. And I just, I find that so fascinating that we're raised like this and so devoted to it. And we've had such a journey of helping each other see these like patterns of Sagittarian hooks where we would give ourselves 
over as we were both in these codependent coping mechanisms of because it hinders us from being able to truly grieve and make boundaries with the world that is fucked up (laughs) and these patterns that we want to, you know, essentially change or liberate ourselves from. It hooks us into a, a, a way of relating and it gives us a role inside of that, Mm -hmm. which that hero's journey. Yeah. Because we were both born in war. The story, that hot air, the belief system that we were born into, which had also a lot enough factual reality in the world to make it feel real. But we were it both still feels real to me. Born, but <laughs> I think that you're in a different war now than you were then, right? <laughs> right. But I think we were both born in war, and um, I mean the war still feels real to me too, right? Like it's not like all those things that I learned about when I was young about the prison industrial complex, about the imperialist reach of the United States. None of that's different. But what I woke up to was that that's also not all there is. Right. And that's also doesn't have to be my role. And I would ask the voices that were speaking to me these questions because it was so devastating to me to have to um, come to terms with the fact that that is the way the world is and that my job isn't to be a missionary in it or to be a martyr in it. And... I would ask these, to liberate us from our, like liberate our energy. And this is such a place where I think it's so crucial and so easy to completely give over all of the fire. Mm-hmm. When there's morality, when there's God, when there's war of life and death, all of these things, it's like, those are the biggest hooks. When there's cultural. horrendous atrocities happening. And there's so all of that morality to me seemed so obvious that then you have to do something about yeah. it. And so these voices, I just want to finish the story real fast. So these voices, they actually showed me this model of social change about how social and environmental justice could happen based on people doing what they actually wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And about how social justice was not just people demonstrating and organizing, but it was also making a garden and opening up a whatever for right. like a clothing store for people with non-binary people. It was like ev- all these different things that people do. If it's what you really want to do, if like, you know, the eye cell can be an eye cell and the toenail cell can be a toenail cell and everyone's actually, yeah, liberated in their yeah. Mars and their Venus doing what they want to do, then the whole system runs. Right. And I, then I got so excited about that. I felt so liberated. I was like in people's internal state matters, like not just how much we're able to produce, but actually how we feel about it is important. And then I took this social, this fractal model of social change around and I tried to be a missionary with that and being like, don't you guys see? And like showing, and I, no one was as excited. (laughs) No one was as excited about it as I was. People were like, oh, interesting. But it was because it was precisely what I needed to hear. It was precisely the keys of what was blocking me from being open to my own like mystic, genuine self. Yeah. And at that exact time, I met this guy, Otis Funkmeyer, shout out if you're listening, who I then became obsessed with for the rest of my 20s, precisely because <laughs> he was a charismatic for people following themselves and doing exactly Absolutely. what they wanted. And that's Which is what, also what you are. <laughs> 
I do think that over the course of the, I mean, this over the course over of the, the 13 day. years that I've known Mariah, you are a missionary for that. I always like like the biggest cheerleader for this, and I do think that I've switched now onto this side also. <laughs> like we are missionaries for desire. For, for, <laughs> for doing what they want to do. Although now we're kind of switching even from that to like understanding some of the pain of seeking that we're talking about. Yes. And some of like, you know, even we're, we're allowing talking our, about our Sagittarius to get shredded shredded and worked and disillusioned so it's not like you can just willy-nilly you know what i'm saying we're part of webs of bigger forces but it was just so funny to me putting together the pieces where it's like and then of course i meet this guy and project onto him (laughs) the charismatic missionary of like that is someone who is free that's your type (laughs) (laughs) that is your type who's like a mystic wizard, playful trickster, free of social pressures and morality, charismatic about something. In this case, breakdancing aliens and people doing, like realizing what the fuck they want, making it happen. I live for round two. Not to mention, then everyone around us started going to Bolad's Kitchen, which is very much about um, the counterpoint to... The counterpoint to follow your heart, it would be don't follow like the antithesis. The antithesis of follow your heart. Like for example And don't even create anything because it's probably going to kill everything sacred. Mm-hmm. It was everything that humans do is bad. Nothing you can do can ever be good. Your life is a debt that you need to continually repay by devoting yourself to the holy, by not creating anything, by which, which is, is like which is actually funny because <laughs> because I don't like the like religious dogmatic. It, it seems um, like it almost gets into a place of such stagnancy and like fear of extraction that I think people start to extract more mm-hmm. <laughs> in that lack of um, being able to create and collaborate and connect um, and feeling like coming from a place of worthiness, worthiness and so much shame. Exactly. I feel like, like imagine if someone is like that, super in shame and unworthiness and so afraid that they're going to do something wrong, being in relationship with them takes more work. Yeah. It's, it's actually, actually draining. taking more from you. Yeah. Like when they're like afraid to give you anything and express themselves, it's actually draining. And then you don't get the like gifts. It's like when that Leo is like shut down, you know, Mm. and and it's, it's does feel very Sagittarius in this, in this way, because there's so much ideology around the desire to be pure, the desire to be connected and to come to some place of understanding and truth that, um, that you kind of get lost in that desire that you forget you're a collaborator with it and it's interesting I kind of like relate to I kind of believe everything Martine said mm-hmm. <laughs> I really still I really do. I still do still like do. I still don't like humans I still think they're in debt and almost everything they do is yeah. horrible yes but I still don't think there's any way like even someone trying to run a sustainable ethical small business can be viable it's like or that it's inherently extractive and can't be sustainable Yes, and somehow staying in that shame place, stagnant place makes it more like little black holes. Mm -hmm. And I think that humans are so, I think for the most part, there's a lot of humans very aware that that there's something missing in the connection, Mm -hmm. that they almost hate 
that they can't help but to fetishize everything around and have like that desire to connect but an inability at the same time and so I think dogmas that are so steeped in that without a pathway into true relationship and connection is like really it's really hard to not feed that shame demon especially then if you're telling people that they can't create which like because that Leo is one of the ways out of which I think sometimes this, if we're not all, everything that we create is like extraction and going into capitalism, I think if we're really in true creation and expression, that's one of the only ways that humans can actually like fucking sing back to the plants Please and the plants dance to nature and like let them move through us. And you know what? There we are back at the beauty of Sagittarius, in my opinion, Aww. is that desire for the egoic human body earthly journey to be something that is like this artful offering to the gods and like let that you know sing and move and dance through us and then fucking get shredded because then we want to like make it a business and we want to make it a whole like church about it <laughs> and then we want to like uh, assault a bunch of women in the process because I think I think in my own, own <laughs> I think in my own way I have also come around to Bolad's kitchen and in general just like I feel like a lot of my Saturn return was coming to terms with and maturing my ideology around this and my understanding around this. And it still is, right? I mean, that's part of my lifelong fascination with desire is getting to be really honest, you know? And so it's not just like, it's not just follow your bliss, right? Things are nuanced and like we are embedded in a field that's not just like individual, individual people following their bliss. But I do think being able to actually get in touch with one's own, out of one's head, into one's full senses, into like your actual instincts, back into your fire, back into the hooves of your horse, um, as well as the arrow. It's a heaven and earth thing. And I remember even talking with one of the people who we were living with, and she was sort of going on this whole thing about how my worldview was... um, the you know epitome of all that is evil in the world yes that is what she was saying the root of all that is evil and I was like what do you think my worldview is and she was like you know follow your heart and you just (laughs) let that hit you for a moment can you just (laughs) and this person is is a genius. Is genius. She is a genius, and Fucking and also brilliant. Martine Brechtel is a beautiful genius. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that just saying that, you know, but that's the disclaimer. And yeah, the place where follow your heart is at the root of all evil is one of the most poisonous, toxic is, dogmas. Is also at the root of all evil. It is actually what has been a huge piece. That right there was such a belief system that imprisoned and enslaved our species. And I think that's what makes us susceptible to the hot air, power-hungry, status-mongering of others. It's, the, it's like, for more on this, check out the podcast we did called The War on Mars. Because when we're 
detached and severed from our own ability to experience direct truth, then we are easily manipulated. Absolutely. And it's making us think that all of our instincts are evil and wrong and bad. That makes us self-sever. And then, you know, then we're just at the whims of whoever is in power. However, I will say that, um, just, I have also had to be shredded in this. And I mean, we've been talking around it, but just to say really directly, like, I do think there is a way in which, um, part of how I've matured is not necessarily like follow your bliss is bad or follow your heart is bad because of wait, scratch the lead. I think part of the way that I've matured around this is just being able to see that following your heart is connected to seeking and that seeking itself is an incredibly complex and nuanced field to be playing in. And just the way that a high dream is connected to a low dream, that when we are walking this tightrope of desire, we are also invoking our greatest pains and fears. And that it's a very non-linear journey of yeah. working with ourselves and our own reactivity to be on that path. That it's not so easy as figure out what you want and go for it. It's right. like an ongoing iterative process where what you want and your greatest trauma are dancing every single step of the way. Absolutely. And the journey itself is a spiral happening in a... So- living universe right and to be devoted to that desire being purified over and over again not to forsake it and thus making it vulnerable like you said to be hijacked by cultural narratives by capitalism by patriarchal bullshit or zealots of any causes that are ready to like take the fire and go use it for their agendas right um but to really also be able to allow our desires that are intimately, like you said, so beautiful, woven into our traumas, you know, like the parts of us that have been persecuted and shut down are intimately woven into the place where it's like our deepest high dreams and the places where like, we're like most gifted in, it's like, that's actually where the energy is. And to me, it's like, it's a war on energy mm-hmm. actually. And I think Sagittarius is a big arc. Like that's an archetypal, a crucial archetypal experience to liberate oneself in the war on energy. I just wrote this in my Um, diary the other day it's uh like the path of desire is not to fulfill you the path of desire is to challenge you to mastery yeah that you don't follow your heart because you're going to get everything that you want and the world is going to titillate and delight you you figure out what's in your heart and you follow it because that is the crucible of transformation right and that will is like provides those challenges that lead or that create like um, like for mastery to be necessary, and what you were saying about Sagittarius being or like the that it's an energy thing is so true to me, and I think that's the duplicity that I see in Sag, where it's like, wait, is this really deep or is this superficial? Are we having fun or are we in this like power game hell realm? Because I think sometimes mm. people are able 
to create, like when people have a certain level of, um, even just like, like competence or, uh, like, mm, people are able to create these free circuits of energy in themselves when they're feeling good or when they're getting good feedback from those around them. And the more you're able to create that free circuit of energy, then the more social sexual status you have in a way. And so people can create these energetic loops that then attract an audience. You know, people mm-hmm. also always say Sag is really lucky and really blessed. And to me, it's because Sages have the ability to do this. They can, um, like talk about seduction archetypes. I think they can, create something attractive about them by the fact that circumstances are working for them that then gives them an element of power that isn't always earned right like um like i think of like a dj super sag archetype to me Mm. right traveling all around the world playing music making parties happen also feels very sag wearing like you know imagine she's wearing bringing the gemini world together yeah but then also being the guider the mastermind behind it Mm -hmm. Uh uh-huh totally and then also me my life and us together right it's all happening and um that person (laughs) might be able to like create like a cool vibe around them that then other people think like, Ooh, they know some, like other people can project onto Mm. and then feed into their thing. Right. And then that person might be hella shady in a lot of ways. Right. You know, or like, um, even I think of these really gross, like bro dudes who yeah, just like become like power. the alpha dude. <laughs> Spiritual power. Yeah. Or any kind it's of social power. Thing. Yeah. Or like guys who are able to be like, I don't know, they're like have a certain bone structure and they like have the right level of bagginess to their pants and they're able to become kind of the leader of this crew of like gross boys. And then... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But they're like established themselves with status. I just think there's a way in which because Sag has that blessed kind of lucky thing, sometimes Mm. people are able to create these free energy circuits that they don't totally earn. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And then they can use it for grossness or for goodness to make a party around them or whatever, but also for grossness. Mm Do you know what I mean? Oh, I do. I mean, I think we all really know what you mean. (laughs) You know, anyone who's able to get on stage, anyone who's able to, whether you're preaching or performing or whatever it is that you're doing, anyone who's able to hold that position is running a certain one of those energy circuits. And that can just be very seductive. I really love that you brought up like this DJ kind of um, example for it, because I feel like I'm always watching, you know, like psychic vision, watching these and, and I'm, you know not attracted to men at all. So like, I'm not drinking their Kool-Aid like the rest of, of the women <laughs> around me. And, um, and I just think it's so fascinating to watch the, like, it is kind of circus like, and, and very, you know, supposedly seductive. It, it, it must be because it appears that way for the people that are drinking the Kool-Aid. Um, but I love that, that image of the DJ. It's like, they're pulling from these like realms of like other people's music even, you know, and it's like the shaman, they're pulling from all these like energies and the pastors. And, you know, it's like all of these, any, any spiritual seductive archetype has that way of, of bringing this, you know, Gemini is the connector 
and to like bridge the worlds and connect all these things. And Sagittarius is that part that's almost like bringing in all of those realms and tapestries and all those different like unique ingredients and kind of creating itself as the the steeple or the altar at which these are going to thrive and live on. And in a certain way, there's it's such a, a beauty and a power to be able to manifest and to create that and to hold your body as a a living altar for for these realms to live in and act and reside right through and then there's also this other part where you're saying like it can also um it can also really look like that and not really be earned it can almost the person's drinking their own kool-aid they're drinking their own kool-aid you're right and i and i oftentimes see that with um you know, even sometimes artists or performers or something where they're actually channeling parts of these realms that I so deeply love and and am devoted to and find so, you know, deeply magical. And yet it's like they actually don't have a real relationship with it or even the ability to truly sustain the depth of those realms. So they're just mimicking and mirroring some of the uh, more superficial qualities of that. And I think for a lot of people, that can be enough. Like they just see it and they're like overtaken because we all long for, or at least most of us are longing for those parts of the mysteries and the ancient um, lineages and the different realms that we can kind of like remember and taste and I, I think sometimes that superficial appearance, we we take that over a true like relationship with it, you know, mm-hmm. a true transmission of it. Whereas I feel like Sagittarius is truly meant to be the living transmission that is that portal of the realms and the truths and the out-of-body experiences and transmissions that it's actually been initiated in not like just halfway and we have like such a culture that's like oh I took a three-day workshop and now I'm gonna go teach it <laughs> I'm in a six-month relationship now I'm gonna go like teach everyone about you know it's like we're, we're in this culture of having like almost like a, like baby like initiators that want to be the authorities and I think that can be such a shadow of Sagittarius mm-hmm. and like really just the deep invitation of the the true beauty of Sagittarius is to really hold that authority and to be always a student and always be allowing yourself to be like shredded like I always say (laughs) and um and and be that living portal that you tend constantly and by tending it is that constant like disillusioning like cleansing process (laughs) that's why I think that the when I was speaking to having um less like my relationship to the plants and the planets having less to do with what humans say or even what I can like then make up and then more to do with the consistent experiences that I have with these beings Um, it feels like the psychedelic, like psychedelics are just such a crucial part of that undergoing process because it's like, it's imagine what actually, um, 
you know, throughout most of, throughout the earliest understandings of what we were doing for religion and ceremony, the oldest were like three day psychedelic ceremonies in caves, um, throughout all of the, the ancient, um, you know, in Greece and the Mediterranean and, um, the Middle East and into Africa. And, and they've traced all of these like underground cave rituals. And they said that Christianity potentially, there's a lot, um, of evidence that is, is saying that maybe Christianity was actually a psychedelic wine. Um, and so having Christianity spread from the psychedelic wine and these underground cave rituals that were very similar to the, the ceremonies that, were, that it was sprouting from, that's the way that they were doing it. And um, that would be very different than hundreds of years, thousand years later, where we're going off of the, like, the remnants of that direct experience of that psychedelic transcendental experience, you know? And that to me, I feel like is such a interesting part of the Sagittarius dilemma is like, how often are you having those direct experiences or did you just have one? And then you created like, however many, I oftentimes, even in my own life, I can have really profound experiences. And then I'll be like, okay, on a mission from my plants and they're telling me to do this and all this stuff. And then they bring all these experiences and even in support of money and finance and resources to, to, to make that vision. And in along of trying to make that vision happen, I get so focused that I like get out of the diet with my plant. And that's where illusion comes in. Mm -hmm. And it's only when I realize that there's something out of alignment and I go back into deep communion with my plants that they then show me how I fell asleep. (laughs) Right. And we're living in abstraction. We're living in ideas. We're living in the story about thing as opposed to in that direct transmission of things. Yeah. And I like really think that I'm like fucking doing exactly what they told me to do, what they wanted to do. And then I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be in devotion. And then it's like, oh, I fell asleep. And like my human way, just like my brain made up the steps. And that's why I think Sagittarius is so that journey of the mountain of like, I'm going to climb this mountain. Here's the arrow fiery, you know, direction right here at the top of that mountain. And then it's like, we, you get tunnel vision. And it's such an interesting thing that it's a mutable sign because to me, I feel like it's it can get so fixed. And, and so, no, this is the way up the mountain. And it's like, actually, we fall asleep sometimes in that thinking that this the way up the mountain is like, there could be all of these crazy things happening. And it's just like, nope, I'm going to beat my head against this rock over and over and over thinking that that's, that's the way. When if we were in that direct communication, breathing, living experience, um, we might find a whole nother pathway up that mountain. Fuck yes. So we need to close this out. We've been talking for a long time. Thanks, y'all, for being with us. I think my final thought would be also in the Sagittarius archetype, I feel like our uh, nudists and nudist colonies. And for me, that's a good... (laughs) 
So take psychedelics and and get naked. And get naked, essentially, yes. And it's like you see little kids be naked. I do recommend anyone with Sagittarius, get naked, live naked, because you actually get so much more data and information. I feel like it's really healthy for Sagittarius. I agree. I'm naked as much as I possibly can be. Amen. (laughs) How about you, last thought before we close? (laughs) Maybe that's why my family thought I was so gross. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're getting back to your natural my, my mom came home and I was like jumping naked on the trampoline with my best friend and she's like you're a lesbian you're disgusting oh my God. <laughs> and I'm just like under the stars just like, like yes I am naked. and I was like wow she really knew like just from that so hey <laughs> get my naked God. and know your truth <laughs> apparently your mom will too <laughs> even before you do <laughs> Anyways, on that note. (laughs) On that note, we'll see you next week.